Hello, I'm Leah Potter, and this is the Hatchets podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, a weekly podcast from the second oldest newspaper in D.C. covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with two of our news editors, Kayla Harris and Liz Conacher, to tell us more about international student diversity. At GW, where are the most students coming from in terms of looking at different international countries? Most of our international students are coming from China, and so when we're looking at the undergraduates and the graduates combined, students from China make up about 50% of our international student pool. From there, it kind of trickles down into uh, India and South Korea have the most students at GW, so students from India comprise about 8% of the international student pool, and then students from South Korea comprise about 7%. Uh, from there, again, it trickles down into Canada with 2%, and we represent around 130 countries, but most of them hang around like 1% or less of the international student population. And why is this issue of diversity amongst international students especially pertinent right now? So as part of the middle states reaccreditation process, there's always a self-study that happens where a committee looks at different things that could be improved around the university to make it a better institution in a variety of ways. And one of the proposals for this self-study was that the university could potentially look to recruiting and attracting students from a variety of different countries because those students can contribute to the overall experience that an undergraduate and graduate student might have. And also financially, they're very valuable for an institution um, because undergraduate students especially often end up paying full tuition. So that's something that universities look at as well. And why are more students coming from countries like China and India? Well, there are a lot of factors that play into which countries are more represented on all college campuses, and that includes GW. One of those reasons is something that a lot of professors touched on when I spoke with them, as well as some of our experts, and that is that a lot of countries don't necessarily have the financial capability to send students on the undergraduate level over to institutions in the United States. In countries like China and India, usually students there, they can come from higher socioeconomic status because there's a wider array of different economic backgrounds, and so those students don't necessarily need as much financial aid to attend institutions in the United States, whereas there are other countries like African countries or um, countries of lower socioeconomic background where students may not be able to attend institutions in the United States without financial aid, and that makes it more difficult to get those enrollment numbers up because students don't necessarily have the same resources as students from countries like China and India. What can the university do to kind of bring in more students from these other countries? When I was speaking to experts, a lot of them were talking about the different ways that GW can expand its outreach in general, and then it will kind of affect the pool that we get as a result. And so one of the things that some of the experts were talking about is social media presence, because social media is such a huge factor in college-age students' decisions to go to different schools, and a lot of students abroad are just making their decisions to go to different colleges based off of their social media presence and their online presence. So they were talking about things like having alumni do blogs and having a Twitter presence and an Instagram presence, and then also utilizing their alumni bases that they have in international countries already so that those alumni bases and those students who had that experience can go and 
propose a school like GW and say like this is affordable for you this is something that you can do you can see yourself here I did it so you can do it too and so there's there's like two tiers to it it's the in-person interaction and then it's the digital interaction as well what about financial assistance is that something that the university could help out with mostly everyone that we've talked to said that affordability is the the largest factor in preventing international students from coming to GW and so one of the ways to combat this inequality in in the countries that are represented is to make GW more affordable and this presents this really interesting paradox almost where you're saying to get a more diverse pool of students you're going to have to make GW more affordable and it's it's just really a huge financial benefit for the university to have more international students and so it's a weird balance trying to get a more diverse pool of students who need a more affordable college but GW needs the revenue that they bring in. Did you speak to any of the students here that are international? There are a couple student leaders who are international students. The first one is uh, the student association president, Peek Santwa. He is an international student from Malaysia. So I spoke with him about his experiences and also what the essay is doing to uh, help international students. Peek ran a campaign based on promoting international students and uh, supporting them at GW. I also spoke to the executive director of the international students community and uh, she's from India and so she was just talking a lot about the affordability issue. When I sat down with Peek last week he talked about the international student experience at GW and how it affects student life. I would say personally um, it's important to have international students um, at GW because I think it really creates connections for domestic students and for international students around the world. I know that after I leave this place that I will have you know, a lot of people I can remember and I can connect with here in the States. And I think for um, American students, you know, you'll meet somebody from South America, you'll meet someone from Europe, you'll meet someone from Southeast Asia, and you'll say, you know, hey, like, I went to GW, I've heard about Malaysia, I have a friend back in Malaysia right now, like, we were really good friends. And I think, like, that's really important, uh, especially when a university aims to become a comprehensive global research university and a just a much more, and to expand its scope from, you know, an American university to an international university. I think that's important um, with international students because it really fosters those connections. Additionally, one of the professors that I spoke to, Professor Arthur Wilson in the finance department, said that students don't usually come to universities in the United States uh, from an international place for the same reasons that domestic students would. I'm here with our contributing sports editor, Barbara Alberts, to tell us about this year's basketball guide. Looking at the women's team, sort of what is their strategy for this year? Just to give a little bit of background, last year, head coach Jennifer Rosati was in her first year, and the team had four pretty experienced players, three seniors who had been with the program, and then a transfer grad student, Lexi Martins, who came in, and they were you know, the starters, they were kind of like the focal point, I guess, of the team. Um, And a lot of the way that the women's team played was kind of a slower pace. They were very much into setting up plays, feeding the ball to Kyra Washington and Lexi Martins, who were the two post players down beneath the hoop, and kind of capitalizing on their strengths as rebounders and as shooters. So that was what they were doing last year. So Three of those girls graduated. Lexi Martins is no longer eligible to play. She only had one year of eligibility left when she transferred. So Rosati's looking to just change it up a little bit on the offensive side. 
So yeah, last year was definitely more of a post-oriented kind of play. This year, it'll be much more of a faster game, uh, more up and down the court, a little bit more fluid. Malin Bautista, who is a point guard for the team, basically said that the last thing they're going to want to do is set up a play. They're very much going to want to just keep it fluid, keep it fast. What about defense? What is that going to look like? So last year... And I guess this year, too, Rosati was big on defense. They would be down by, like, a, pre- a semi-substantial amount, and then Rosati would come and she would just change it up and just, like, have them play defensively. She'll want them to play a little bit more aggressively, more intensely, and more creative, and play a lot of team defense. It looks like it's uh, shaping up to be a good season for the women's team. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to watch. Um, Rosati's in her second year now, so she said that she's more herself as a coach and she's really kind of gotten comfortable with the team, especially the players who were young last year, kind of getting to build that relationship again a little bit. So it'll definitely be exciting. And what about the men's team? What can we expect from them? Yeah, so the men's team had a lot of uh, roster changes. In the offseason, they have nine new players, uh, which is the most the team has had in several years. Their coach, uh, Maurice Joseph, is also in his second year as a head coach. I mean, he was an assistant coach previously, but now it's his like second year really at the helm of the program. So they will be looking to kind of play a more athletic and faster style of game as well. They are definitely going to put an emphasis on the defensive end because the team doesn't have like a traditional big man, you know, like a Shaquille O'Neal kind of person who's just massive on the like under the hoop. Um, so they don't really have that type of big center players so Joseph has definitely been like emphasizing defensive play a lot of rebounding and stuff like that and even though there's more of an emphasis on defensive playing what is the offense going to look like he said that he wants to play a faster paced game uh, that doesn't necessarily mean like running and gunning kind of shooting uh, it's definitely going to be you know fastball movement taking calculated and smarter shots So yeah, that style of play is a little bit more different than what they've been doing in previous years, which has been a little bit more methodical and, as he put it, more bulky, kind of driving into the hoop and getting fouled and kind of banged up and shooting a lot of free throws. So this year it's going to be a little bit more different. This season, they no longer have Tyler Kavanaugh. Um, He was their, their top point scorer for the team. So that kind of left, I guess, an opening for players to really step up and get minutes on the court and start in that respect. So, you know, Coach Joseph has told a lot of the newcomers, a lot of the freshmen they have for this year, that um, minutes are up for grabs and that they're going to need, he's going to need them to really step up and start contributing on that end of the court. Thanks, Barbara. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by news editors Leah Potter and Meredith Roten and featuring culture editor Liz Provincher. This podcast was produced by assistant video editor Ariana Dunham, managing editor Tyler Loveless, and assistant copy editor Emma Tyrell. Meredith was out of town during this recording, but she'll be back next week. Music was provided by Simon Mathewson. Special thanks to Liz Conacher, Kayla Harris, and Barbara Alberts for joining us on Getting to the Bottom of It. See you next week. Thank you.